listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. Like I said, it's good to have everybody here today. We're here at the end of Advent, the uh, very last day of the year. And um, as we said, and, and as you know, if you've been here the last few weeks, uh, that we've been in a series uh, called Christmas Throughout the Bible. And it's fitting that we end our series here in the book of Revelation. Our sermon series started by looking at Christmas throughout the Bible at Genesis and the very first book of the Bible. And I had a couple of people come up to me and I've never thought about uh, the idea of Jesus' birth being there in Genesis. Uh, and so as we went through different places throughout the Bible, we looked at different books as an overview, all focused on the idea and reminding everyone that the whole book, all the books of the Bible, the whole Bible is about Jesus Christ and the work that he was coming to do, that he did, and what he's going to do in the future. So why Revelation during Christmas time? I mean, isn't Revelation just about the future? I'll tell you this, if you start reading it, you'll realize it's not at all mostly about the future. Most of Revelation is about what God has done in the past. And what we're looking at today is a beautiful summary of how Jesus came as a baby, died on the cross, and went back to the throne room of God to settle matters once and for all. That's really what most of Revelation is about which we're going to discuss today. So let's look at our passage. And I think you're going to see the idea of Jesus in a manger as a baby differently from now on than you have before. So let's look at our verse for the day. Revelation 12, 4 through 5. It's in our order of worship or you can look at it in your Bibles. It's talking about uh, the, the, the dragon here, and it, uh, which is a representation of the devil. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour the child from the moment that he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, you got to help us to look through the imagery here uh, and really understand what you would have us to see here at the end of Advent and at the end of, toward the end of the Bible. Help us to put the pieces together in a way that you would have us to see and help us ultimately uh, worship your son and think about him uh, in ways that we haven't before. We thank you for him. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. The greatest stories in the world are tales of dragons and knights and warriors and battles and most of all the idea of good triumphing over evil. Why? Well, number one, because even as child, we want stories, even as children, we want stories to help us, that, that make us imagine. We, we like those stories, but we also want resolution 
and things that make sense of reality as it is now. We want a conclusion. We want something that makes sense, an ending that makes sense of the bad stuff that's in the world, but also gives us comfort that all the brokenness that surrounds us in the world and in our lives will be put back together one day. But why is it? Why do we long for that so much? Well, first of all, that's what's in our hearts. It's the way that God made us. We have this void for God, but also the story of how he's going to make sense of not just the, the, the good in the world, but the bad in the world. It's not just the story we want. It's the story that we need. And that's the story of the Bible. J.R.R. Tolkien, that you may recognize the name from the author of The Lord of the Rings uh, and The Hobbit, and, and he, he's written a lot more than that. He calls the gospel uh, a fairy story and a myth. Now, don't get offended by that. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, but it's not just any fairy story. It's not any, just any story or mythos. It's the greatest fairy story, he said, in the world. It's the greatest fairy tale. It's a real tale because it contains everything we want, and it's true. The, the gospel is where all good stories come from. And it's not only just a good story or the true story, but it's the only story that can save us. Let's look at our passage again. It talks about this idea of a dragon standing in front of a woman who is about to give birth. And we understand when we look at the rest of it that he's talking about Jesus himself. So that when she did give birth, it might devour the child. Now obviously this dragon is Satan. And she gives birth to a son. And a male who's going to rule all the nations with an iron rod. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Now, this, although this summary is at the end of the Bible, in the middle of a book of Revelation, it's the story looking back to the story that settled it all. The birth of Jesus. The story of Jesus coming into the world as a little baby. Any onlooker at that time in Bethlehem would have looked at only a couple, and seen only a couple of poor teenagers and shepherds gathered around a food trough, and it looked totally insignificant. But the Bible tells us that up and all around it was the start of a battle and was the continuation of a war that was going on, the war of eternity that was raging on. See, we, we talked about this at the beginning. God predicted it at the beginning of the Bible. God was the first to declare war against the devil because of what he did to Adam and Eve in all of human time. And Satan knew all the time that God was going to send a Messiah. Satan knew that. He just didn't know how he was going to do that. He knew that there would be someone that would try to take, take the, free, the people of the world and free them from his grip. But he didn't know how. But he was there to make sure that it didn't happen. At Jesus' birth, think about it. The devil was there to use Herod to kill all the Jewish males to make sure that they would all die at that time during Jesus' birth and Jesus escaped. Satan was there in the wilderness when Jesus got older to tempt Jesus when he was all alone and tried to talk him into being the prince of the world, but Jesus rejected him. Then the devil tried to use one of Jesus' disciples, his very close disciples, to betray him but Jesus saw it a mile away. And finally, as a last resort, Satan uses Jesus' own people to reject him and to finally kill him, persecute him, crucify him. And then, in Satan's mind, the Son of God, he thought, was dead. It was over. 
the plans of the Messiah in the minds of the devil to save the world were over. But God had other plans. See, Advent, what we've been talking about this whole time, the coming of Jesus was only the beginning of God's victory. The passage here is almost theatrical when you think about it. I mean, a baby versus a dragon? Come on. But it's really not outlandish. It's just a summary of what God's plan was from the beginning. Look at our quote in the order of our worship today. The quote says this. It's talking about Jesus. Because of his victory over the grave, Christ is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Just like this verse says, the throne room of God. Not for rest, but for rule. He is to reign from there until his enemies are made a footstool. The Bible says that. Heaven must receive him, hold him, until all is subdued in his name through the preaching of the gospel. Only then will he return and destroy the last remaining enemy, which is death. <laughs> See, on some of the last pages of the Bible that we're looking at today, this Christmas story shows up as a reminder of the first pages that we looked at in Genesis from the beginning when we started. Remember that? The child of the woman was going to crush the head of the serpent. We're back to the child and the serpent, the, the, the baby and the dragon. It's the same theme all the way through, and he will be the rightful ruler of the new kingdom. See, on the first Christmas, it looked a little different in heaven than it did on earth. So did Jesus' death. It looked a lot different on earth than it did in heaven. What looked like a victory from evil, which looked like the end of the world, which looked like the death of God's Son, was cleverly disguised by God as the greatest victory from humankind and for heaven that ever happened. So here's the question that we just want to end with today. Are you going through, or have you been this year, what seems like hell and death? Are you going through it right now? God grants life and resurrection through and after death. What may look like the worst possible situation in the world last year, or maybe coming up this year, we don't know what's going to happen, but looks like the worst possible situation in the world, and maybe in your life, is always potentially a moment for God to work in a mysterious way to step in and make things right and work, and, and work miracles and wonders. See, this is what the season of Advent should end with, what we started with. The anticipation that we all should have, the hope that we all should have, that God will do what he's always done over and over again faithfully to his people, and that is to bring peace and hope and joy and love out of what seems like misery and despair and defeat. And that's what he continues to do in our life in the world. And that, my friends, is a great thing to think about here at the end of Advent, what God is doing right now, and that is how the story ends. Let's pray. Father God, thank you um, for the things that you have shown us this Advent season. That this world is a part of a greater cosmos of what you're doing in heaven. But we pray every week that you will do what you say you do by way of bringing heaven to earth, on earth as it is to heaven. We pray that 
would help us to anticipate that in the world. Instead of just grumbling and critiquing and looking at the world with, 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 a, with, with just despair and depression. Help us to step out in faith that you are working in the world because you say you are. That's the promise that you have in life. The, life, the world is not going to hell in a handbasket. You're working in the world right now and your son is saying, I am making all things new. Jesus' enemies are becoming a footstool right now. You're working, not in ways that we think you are, but in mysterious ways. You're working victory through defeat. You're weaving a beautiful tapestry through unraveled lives. You're working uh, a piece of art through brokenness. And we thank you for that. Help us to hold on to that peace and that hope and joy as we enter into the new year. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.